So what's your podcast about? Superheroes. It's a little geeky, but I think you guys are going to like it. Try not to be too geeky. No, I can't promise that. Should we begin? It's a bird. It's a plane. It's the Geek and You Shall Find podcast. And now, your hosts, Kelsey Dickerson, Brad Fay, Kate Fay, and Noah Berlin. Hold on to your butts. Welcome to Geek and You Shall Find, the podcast powered by superhero faces. I'm your host, Kelsey Dickerson, joined by Brad Fay, Noah Berlin, and the long-awaited arrival back, the Kate Fay. Kate, we're so happy to have you back. It was just me and the boys last Thanks. time. I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to see. Once you listen to it, you're going to have to give us your feedback. <laughs> but of course, I don't think anyone is going to miss out on all the craziness that happened in House of the Dragon, episode four, King of the Narrow Sea. It's absolutely wild. So <laughs> it goes without saying, spoiler alert if you guys haven't seen it. And of course, some of our team have read the books. Some of our team have read most of the books, I should say, um, but we have not read the one that is about everything here. So we are doing our best to also avoid spoilers of what might potentially come in future episodes. So we might just be very extra smart when we have some predictions, Um, but we're super excited. There's a lot to talk about in this episode. So let's get right on into it with setting the stage with Mr. Noah Berlin. Take it away. Sure thing. So as Kelsey said, uh, we're going to be talking a lot about the episode four and and everything that happened in that. So spoiler alert for those that haven't watched the episode yet. But again, everything that we talk about beyond this episode are all just our opinions and predictions. So don't worry if you um, do not want anything spoiled from Fire and Blood. That is okay. We also do not want anything spoiled for us. So setting the stage, uh, this episode took place around a year after episode three. Uh, King in the North, or excuse me, King of the Narrow Sea picks up right where the last one left off. Princess Rhaenyra is now visiting the great houses of the Seven Kingdoms on a King Viserys planned betrothal proposal tour. Say that five times fast. As we see in the opening scene, it's not going too well. Rhaenyra is not very satisfied with the suitors that are that are lining up and pleading their case for her hand in marriage. So Rainier cuts the trip short, much to the chagrin of her father, and then the action of the episode really picks up when she and her uncle Damon both return to King's Landing. But I personally love this episode. Uh, I think it's vintage Game of Thrones. Um, it's exactly what we knew of the other series with the, with the scheming, with the backstabbing, the politics, and of course, the incest, which is weird. But uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. You cannot have Game of Thrones anything without some incest. We've definitely been waiting for it. And we're going to get into it a little bit later, like you mentioned. (laughs) I don't know if incest is going to be your uh, MVP, Brad. But without much further ado, please take it away with your most valuable player of House of the Dragon Episode 4. Never thought I would say this out loud, but my most valuable player is not incest. Um... (laughs) I really struggled with this one. I mean, the no is point, like we we all kind of, it seems like are going to have kind of different epi- like opinions on this episode. I wasn't thrilled with it, but I agree with Noah in the fact that a lot of what was happening is what makes Game of Thrones worse. It wasn't like a clear MVP. There wasn't a clear person that I despise this episode. There wasn't a clear person who was awesome. It seems like 
everyone was kind of a little bit of a mix of a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. Every time you wanted to get behind someone, you're like, okay, I could ride with this person. And then they did something I'm like, oh, that's right. I forgot about that side of you. But I did pick for mine, King Viserys. Um, I wouldn't say I've been like an apologist for him throughout the series, but I definitely haven't been all in on hating on him as much as it seems you guys have been. I've agreed with you guys that he's not a good king. And I'm still not going to argue the point that he is a great ruler or anything. But it seems like while it's taking him longer to catch on to certain things, it seems like he finally at least demonstrated that he knows how to put pieces of puzzles together. He finally put together how Otto Hightower kind of climbed the rankings a little bit. He kind of puts together why Damon is pretending to be interested in his daughter all of a sudden. So not to say that bodes well in the Game of Thrones universe, sometimes if you're slow to react or slow to figure things out, it's too late for you. So time will tell if that ends up being the case with him, but at least you got to see a little bit more of, he's not just some, you know, dumb, gullible, you know, guy who like can't put pieces of the puzzles together or anything like that. Well, he doesn't put the pieces of the puzzle together. Rhaenyra literally spells it out for him in his face. And it only took him, what, four years now to be able to figure out that Allison it was not her own doing coming to his chambers the night of his oh his, his uh wife Otto, and, like how Otto was like that was yeah and, and all of a sudden like he pieced together oh it's not a coincidence that you went within five days of being this to this and like Damon like oh you tried this because of this like at yeah. least he's kind of making his own decisions now versus being told like he didn't run to everyone in his council after he found them. Like, what should I do, guys? Will everyone like me if I do this? Like, he, you know, took action himself and kind of threw yeah. his brother down on the ground and was like, yo, you, you're not coming back. I'm not going to see you again. He at least has taken a little bit more, like, you know, go ahead now on things versus like, let me get everyone's opinion and see what they all think. He, he yeah. definitely seems that he's sick of everyone's shit basically <laughs> before he's like i'm just gonna be content living in peace and nothing's gonna be a big deal for me let's get everyone's opinion and now he's like man get out of here i just want you out of here <laughs> yeah yeah a good quote when he was talking to otto in that scene at the end which i thought was an awesome scene and he said allison was a calculated distraction i only now realize how well calculated it was and you see like you're saying that the pieces are starting to come together whether that's too late, whether it will have an impact uh, on, on his fate, we'll see. But he seemed like he was being a little smarter this episode than he had uh, in earlier episodes. Yeah. I think it's too, like for me personally, I was going so back and forth on Otto Hightower. Like I know a lot of people had seen him more cunning than I did. I, I would I'd go like, oh, he seems really like, you know, Littlefinger where he's very, everything he does is very deliberate. And sometimes like, no, he really does want to do what's best for the realm, even though some of the stuff might be a little for personal gain. So I think this really, to your point, Brad, really clearly outlined just how much he does purposely and with um you know with the 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 iron throne in his in his line of sight so i think that was that was really important at least for me for his character it's kind of interesting too like i think this is part like i love the show so far but there are things that seem to fall flat in the sense of like you know in the the behind the scenes afterwards they're talking about how Otto really loves the king and this is like difficult for him to have to do and i'm like i've not been getting that from his character at all so like i shouldn't have to watch you know after the throne you know scenes to tell me like what a character's intent is or what is motivated i'm like oh i thought he was literally just out of the throne the fact that you have to explain to me like 
he really does love the king and thinks he's a good person. This is tearing him up inside. I'm like, yeah, I wasn't getting that vibe at all from him. Mm, I would almost say like, I don't know. I agree. I think like, I don't think he loves the king per se. Maybe there is some sort of love there. I don't know. But to your point, I don't really get that, especially not anymore. I think he just didn't want to be the bearer of this news because he knew like, Hey, this could really come down hard on me, but I have to, because I'm the one that has this spy. I don't want to get rid of my source. Like, you know, my little informant and like, I don't want this to come out and then also come out that I know about it. Cause then that's like double treason. Right. So I think he's more of like thinking like, I don't want to be the messenger. I saw what, well, no, we all saw what happened with Damon and that messenger. So I think he was really thinking more selfishly. Yeah, so I I, that, that confused me too. I don't I don't agree with that. I think that that he is super cunning and and maybe he loves the king and he thinks he's a good person, sure, but he is entirely uh out for himself and he he I think he was happy. He has to go in there and be like this is really hard for me to tell you king. Like sometimes it's my duty to tell you things that are difficult, right? But no, I think that this whole time he was having her watched for a reason. This was all part of his plan was to get some dirt on her and then make it so his his grandson would be the king. And so, you know, he's playing a role here, but I think he was excited to tell that news and excited for shit to go down. And I do not think he thought that it would go down on him. I thought the whole time he thought it would just discredit and make uh, Rainier look bad. Kate, did you have a MVP? Do you agree with uh, with it being King Viserys? I think in one of our previous episodes, we literally said, oh, it's it's safe to say that King Viserys could be an ongoing LVP. That might yeah. come from your mouth, Kate, I think. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, but that does kind of play into my MVP, which I, I couldn't really find a character in this episode that I really loved or wanted to give MVP. So my MVP this week is the gray characters or like the ambiguity of mm. Game of Thrones mm. um, and House of the Dragon, obviously. I think one of the things that makes both shows great is that there's a lot of characters and nothing is black and white with them. Like they're always changing. They're always in gray spots. Um, like for example, Damon was my MVP last week and I loved his badass, like winning the war. And in the um, beginning of this episode, he comes in like all swagger yep. and just like, you know, put this with the others uh, with the sword. Add it to um, the chair. Yeah, yeah, add it to the chair. And it yeah. was like so cool. And I'm like, this is my Damon. Uh, but then obviously, <laughs> I know, but then obviously he kind of like went downhill. I'm like, this is the same old Damon. Like all he wants, all he's thinking about is just getting the throne and pissing off his brother. And it's so childish and immature. And so, but it's just, I don't know, but I feel like next week, maybe he could even come back and like do something that I would like him again. So I feel like that's just something that this show does really well. Um, And King Viserys is one of those too. Like I've kind of been up and down on on him the whole time. Um, He does some things that make me really like him and I feel like he's really likable and trying to be a good king, but then sometimes he just does things that are just so ridiculously stupid and just seems to be like, just so like, doesn't know what's going on that it makes me hate him. So I don't know. It's just kind of, it's kind of cool though. I like that about this show. I will ask, like what do you guys think about his new do? Yay or nay? Um, 
it think it looks my, good on it. It was my LVP for the week. Oh, oh really? His haircut? Oh man, that's well, the him, one, and, him and his haircut. <laughs> I, I think that um, I thought it looked stupid when I saw that, and then um, and then I saw a clip from an earlier episode with the long hair where he just looks like Legolas. He just looks like a freaking elf or something. And I'm like, yeah, I think this is an improvement, actually. I we like the hair. Look. But I think that he just. He just looks so stupid. I've said it. I, I I'm need here for the long again. hair. His stupid beady eyes. He just looks so stupid in general that no matter what his hair looks like, he's just going to look. <laughs> but um, I had a, a, a kind of two-part MVP. Um, and it's they, it's tied in together, but it's not. Uh, my first is Millie Alcock, who plays young Rhaenyra. I'm just really going to miss her when she's not on the show anymore. She just crushes it uh, as an actress. Um, and we know that the next episode after this one is going to be the last time that we see her and Emily Carey uh, as the young Allison. And then they're going to be replaced by new actresses. So it's just going to be, uh, it's a little bit of a shame because she's just crushing it. And for this actress to only be in five episodes of the series, I understand why, of course, but uh, it's a little sad. And I think that you know, the scenes that she's in with her father, like those two actors, um, they just really play well off each other. And every scene that she's in with Damon, with Matt Smith, are just so good. And um, I don't know, just like even like little things. I like how the Targaryens are always speaking High Valyrian to each other. Like it's the secret language that they have. It just it adds another dimension. But um, Millie Alcock's awesome. Yeah. Uh, my second part of it is Rhaenyra is my MVP. And I know I've basically said that for different reasons almost every episode so far, but she's just, I mean, I guess I am. Um, she's just dope. She's smarter than everybody. She is more cunning than everybody. Um, and in this episode, as we see, like, and we'll get more uh, in depth into um, some of these things in a bit, but she, she finds what she wants and she takes it. And she doesn't care. Like she does whatever she wants. She says what she wants. She she's not one to just sit there and shut up. Um, and and most of the time, it's the right thing to say or the right thing to do. And if it's not, then then we'll see how she deals. But um, yeah, she went and, and did her thing in this episode. That's for sure. Yeah, that is absolutely true. And I this just you put something in my brain right now that I didn't really necessarily think about before. You saying that Rhaenyra always does what she wants to do. She doesn't care obviously Damon's actions and like manipulating her have put her in a position where she really doesn't have those options anymore. You know how Damon and Corliss obviously have been working together for so long. Would that ever be a thing that Damon would be doing for Corliss or do we truly think like, cause now obviously Viserys isn't wanting Damon to be like, you know, wed to her, now it's forced her hand to go with Corliss's son. I, I think uh, Damon is far too selfish for that. I don't think yeah. he's doing anything that doesn't serve his own interests above anybody else, whether he's playing a long game yeah. or a short game. Maybe it could be opposite where maybe Corliss planted some kind of seed of like, hey, well, you know that your, your little niece, you know, is looking for somebody. Maybe you could be that if you like play your cards right. And then knowing he would fuck it up. And then like, and then it's like, it's like, Hey, okay. Now my son's going to be on the iron throne. So who knows? Maybe it could go either way, but yeah, that's very interesting. So my MVP, um, you guys all basically touched on it. Um, but I just, I really loved how this episode has to Kate's point just has the gray and the gray characters and just seeing it 
an ode back to, to the Game of Thrones that we all know and love. Um, but moving on, I accidentally spoiled uh, the surprise of Kate's LVP, but Brad, would you please like to take it away with uh, your LVP of this episode? Yeah, my LVP, like, you know, kind of same thing. Like everything was kind of in between this episode. There weren't any like real highs, real lows, MVPs, LVPs, but you know, Noah kind of touched on, you know, us losing out on the chance to see some of these actors and actresses for long-term because of all the time jumping. And I think, again, like jumping up ahead in between every episode, I think we're missing out on like a lot of little nuances that I kind of would like to see how that has developed. Like what has gone on the past year? Do we need to spend a full episode on it? No, but just every episode, the jump ahead two years, jump ahead two years, it seems like we're missing out on a lot of like possible like character development moments. And I don't know, I just think that's kind of a shame, but, uh, but at the same time, I do get why it's necessary is it's a big ass book. We've kind of got to get through the thing. Maybe we don't have 10 seasons to do it. Like they could or should have done for game of Thrones. So it kind of just seems like we're moving at a weird pace. So I would say that was my OVP is just jumping ahead from episode to episode years and years ahead. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely, it's more reminiscent of kind of like the older seasons of Game of Thrones where so much time happens in between or just, it just goes to the next episode and it's like, oh, okay. Like all of a sudden and I went from Westeros to, you know, the wall and like all this stuff. So yeah, I agree. A lot of stuff happens. Um, but Kate, please, I, I can't even guess who your LVP might be this, this season, <laughs> or I mean this episode. I know. And it, it's so weird, but um he went from MVP to LVP. And I, I mean, like I said, this, I didn't have any characters that like really struck me as like, that is the LVP, but I picked Damon, um, just cause he's so slimy in this episode, <laughs> hate it. Um, obviously we'll talk more about this later, but that scene, he's just taken advantage of someone who's basically a child and is his own blood, his own niece. Um, and that's just really gross. Uh, hated that. And then also I put his haircut cause I think it looks bad. I bring back the long hair. <laughs> I do like kind of, there's a scene where it kind of like, it's a little disheveled a little bit. It looks a little <laughs> nice. It's like, oh, okay. But also I would say, Noah, how dare you, uh, berate Legolas like that, comparing him to Damon with long hair, nothing alike. Okay, I just have to listen. They, they both there. have they both have long, straight white hair. That's all I'm saying. Um, I do have two LVPs, actually a couple different LVPs. Double dipping this week. I know, man. It, it, these these people deserve <laughs> being called the LVP, though. You you guys must have missed it, but I I saw it for the real LVP. So the first one <laughs> is that asshole heckler that's in that first scene, <laughs> like. They, um, like okay so they're doing this thing everyone's in line they're coming up they're talking about why they deserve to uh have the hand of Rhaenyra in marriage and like everyone's you know everyone is respectful for the other ones they go up and they plead their case okay then on to the next one then a little kid comes up is like you know giving an impassioned speech so while like obviously you know whatever and he the black he's from the Blackwood house the uh, house Blackwood and that this heckler uh, for some reason <laughs> just starts talking shit in the middle of this guy's portion and he's like, uh, oh, how's Blackwood? They, they did a great thing in the war. Like, great work there, how's Blackwood? And I was like, what the fuck? Like, why are you coming at me? And so then they, they end up fighting and the little kid murders the shit out of this heckler. Yeah. So good, I know. Um, so I My was man really was just trying to shoot his shot. Like, 
Give him a break. Like, that wasn't your time, He's a bully. guy. The kid is up there doing his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Blackwood <laughs> kid, another uh, MVP potentially. But yeah, and, and also a little fun fact there. So where they were in that episode, um, they were at Storm's End, which is the seat of House Baratheon. And actually you saw Rhaenyra sitting on the Baratheon throne there next to Bormund Baratheon. So that's where uh, where they were there, which is kind of cool and a throwback to King Robert and all that. Mm-hmm. My other uh, LVPs <laughs> are the tapestry makers from ASOS. <laughs> because <laughs> in what I thought was the funniest part in the uh, in the episode, <laughs> like uh, Allison's like, hey, uh, husband, King Viserys, why don't you take your brother? He was going to want to see these new tapestries that were gifted by Norvos and Cohor. And they're all like, ha, ha, he wants to go see tapestry. You don't want to see that shit. Like, you don't want to see that. And like, God damn, these tapestry, they probably worked real hard on those tapestries. But yeah, so that was funny. So, hundreds of people sewing these. Man, so why these, uh, are they the, the LVP? They should the, be the, your MVP. No, man, the tapestry, because no one wants to see their shit. So the tapestry makers of Norvos and Cohort. LVP. Yeah, there was so much roasting in this episode. I was thinking, like, one of my notes was so much roasting is going on. Like, <laughs> everyone was getting when, like, man, when when the king started cracking up when she said it, it was just such disrespect. She's like, oh man, I guess I guess it was a bad idea then. Like, you don't want to do it. <laughs> it that was, was so funny. funny. Uh, and then it's funny too yeah to go on top of it then Renera is like oh then i'll go look at them myself and then she just goes and sits on the bench and Allison <laughs> she didn't even like, go those tapestries yeah she's like <laughs> <laughs> oh man yo okay i do have a note that says i'm glad like bullies have been getting got like in these last few like it's true <laughs> yeah um i did miss an mvp so uh <laughs> talking about damon being your lvp i will say his drive and his dedication to whatever his end game is is so it is very admirable i will say that um but yeah in the spirit of uh little kids being lvps i'll say the little snitch what they call him the white worm well did you guys catch who that was or like what happened there the little white worm kid so so i don't think the kid wasn't the white worm the kid is is it damon no so the um okay so you see that scene right they're like hand we got a message from the white worm the kid comes out gives him the message about damon and rainier together whatever and then you see damon wake up and he's all he's all hung over and he's with um Miseria, who was oh, his girl in the earlier ones and then paid- you see that you see that same kid walk in and yeah, pay Miseria. so it looks like damon's ex-girl is the one that's ratting on him so then she must own that brothel that they were in. I don't know if it was a brothel. She used to be a common whore, as he said in this episode. But I don't yeah, yeah. I don't know if she's a she she seemed to have turned that life, you know, away. I don't know. But she again, seemed higher she up in that one in the Yeah, because she said I like work, you know, my way to not be in that position anymore. But it's like, well, it would have been nice if we would have gotten to see that happen. We'll just take okay. your word for it. But it's like Ross in Game of Thrones, who in the beginning was just like the common whore in Winterfell. And then she goes to King's Landing as the common whore there. And then she works her way up. And then she's like the general manager of Littlefinger's brothel. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we see what happens to her. 
Um, no, well that, okay. Well, sorry, little kid, you're not my LVP anymore, but truly my LVP, obviously I know it's the time. And we kind of talk about this in earlier episodes too, where women are really put in their place and they're always reminded and things like that. But just like the sex shaming, um, of Rhaenyra, um, you know, obviously she turns it around. So hopefully she doesn't get in trouble. And like, so people, and then Sir Kristen wouldn't get in trouble because she wasn't lying when she said that her and Damon didn't have sex. But the fact that, you know, they're just saying like, you guys can fuck whoever you want. Anytime that you want, you can have a million bastards running around. It doesn't matter. He's like, yeah, it doesn't matter, but you're a woman. So it matters. And I'm trying to like get the best deal for you basically to be able to make sure that you like know your place and that you fit into your place as, as the heir to the iron throne. So that just always bothers me. And I just have to say it. So that's my LVP, but I agree with you, Noah. I really, I really loved this episode and it was really hard for me to even find an LVP, but just got to throw that out there. No slut shaming. Mm-hmm. We don't do that here on geek and you shall find. It's a really good, a pretty point, good uh, segue there into. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of slut shaming. It all stems from that scene, which I cannot wait to get on Twitter after this and see everything that's going on. Um, yeah, Brad mentioned it earlier. Noah mentioned it. Uh, Kate mentioned it. We finally see a little taste of incest here. And I literally text you guys like, oh my God, hurry up, get to the scene. My note says, first it says, ew, like it says, ew, really long because you see Allison basically being like slimed upon by like a decaying King Viserys. Oh yeah, that was nasty too. And I will say I did appreciate the insight truly seeing her as like, you know, what she feels um, as being like, you know, basically she's a prisoner of, of her, of her position. Um, And that really comes out in this episode because that was a little bit gray and white for me in earlier episodes too. Um, But (laughs) Well, back and, to and really, that like, scene. And oh, really, sorry. I'm sorry, before we even get to that scene, what you just said was exactly right. And uh, I thought it was interesting, the scene in earlier on in the episode where you see that Rhaenyra and Alicent are back to being friends. I guess they hadn't been for a while. And now once we pick up in this episode, we see that they are close again. Uh, what happens after the episode, we'll, we'll see if they remain to be close. But um, it was a kind of a, a nice conversation that we had there. But when they're talking about the prospects of Rhaenyra getting married and Rhaenyra's like, yeah, how, how romantic it must be to get in prison in a castle and be made to squeeze out heirs. And, and Allison's like, yep, that's my life. <laughs> you know? So that's, yeah, yeah, it was exactly what you just said. Yeah. You know, and then you see the hesitation when the maiden comes in and it's like, oh, the King is requesting your presence. And she's like, it's late. And she's like, yeah, it is. And they're like looking at each other and then, yeah, you see her face. So it is definitely an unfortunate situation that her father has put her in, but you know, gotta do what I you thought, gotta do. I thought also that they did a really nice job, like juxtaposing that between mm-hmm. Alicent and like her and this, I don't want to say loveless, but unhappy Ridiculous. marriage. Yeah. No pleasure there. Like she does not want to be doing that. And also those sores on him are so gross. But so then the juxtaposition of her kind of going through that. And then at the same time, you have Rhaenyra, who's like out on the town, sneaking out, drinking. And then obviously she discovers pleasure later. So I just thought that was really interesting between those two. Oh, she did discover pleasure in multiple ways. So I just got to open it up to you guys. Getting to that scene, obviously we hint at the brothel and all that, but holy shit, I was enthralled. I was like, here we go. 
Yeah. So I, I started just like you were saying, I, I went to prepare for the pod. I, I have a, a list and, and I just make notes as I'm watching this episode. And as I'm looking at my notes, I see that it, they're getting progressively more and more, I guess, shocking. <laughs> we're in the beginning. I'm like, oh, wow, they're holding hands. I'm like, oh, Day and Ray. Look at them. Day and Ray. They're, they're Bay right there. They're okay. he's just escorting her through the city. They're holding hands. Look at that. And then I'm like, wow. And then in all caps, it's like, this is irresponsible. Like, why is it <laughs> taking her there? Um, but man, I, I can't lie. The first thing I did when things start getting a little crazy is I went on IMDb and I looked how old Millie Alcock was. Cause I'm like, yes, this doesn't seem too. right for the actors to be even doing this. Uh, and, and yeah, she's, I want to say 22. Um, but still it, it was weird. Um, and, and I even was thinking of posing the question to you guys, like, are, are we shipping them? Like, do we like them together? I kind of do. <laughs> I kind of do. I don't know. I don't know why. Like they just have such, regardless of what you want to say about their age in, in Game of Thrones and that they're, you know, very directly tied um, bloodlines. Yeah, yeah. But you cannot deny the chemistry. They have done so well at really just, it's it's the slight, it's like the the little long linger. It's it's the look that no one else catches. It's her playing with her necklace while all these people are talking to her as potential suitors. So really like it's all this tension that has built up and it's finally come out in one of the most sneaky, like, you know, not sensual, well, sensual in a way, because, you know, it's just like when you cheat, like, it's like so exciting and like all this stuff, it's like, affair. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's an affair. So for me, I ship it, but obviously that scene with Kristen, like, I don't know if she even, I don't, I get a feeling that she doesn't like him, but I like seeing him naked. So Jesus, uh, <laughs> I think that a lot of, a lot of what happens with Rainier, and I said it in the first episode, reminds me so much of Arya. And you see this kind of like sexual awakening a little bit that Arya had at the very end in the last season uh, when who she banged was it Podrick Payne who who'd she, who did she bang? It was um I think it was, Robo, Robo Robo Payne. It was yeah pa- yeah Podrick Payne yeah yeah um and so that it just like th- there's a lot of tie-ins I think I see between these two characters and and I really like that uh, I also thought it was funny when. Um, when Otto was telling the king about the, you know, what he heard and, and the king's obviously upset and, and he's trying to go up, like, he's trying to like, you know, tiptoe around the story and, and the king's like, just tell me plain, just tell me what it was. And he goes, he's like, what were they doing in the brothel? And Otto's like, they were coupling. I was like, <laughs> oh, coupling. <laughs> I thought that was oh, funny. Oh, God. Um, but man, it just, I think that, I'm very conflicted when it comes to this scene. Um, I'm very conflicted when it comes to the scene because it's it's all about Damon's motivations a little bit. Like, does mm-hmm. does Damon love her? Like, is he in love with her? We, we see that he, at the end, he's trying to get Viserys to allow him to marry Rhaenyra. Is that genuine? Is it because he wants, uh, you know, a more of a direct line to the Iron Throne and it's, it's really about the throne? Is it more about pissing off his brother and just getting a rise out of him? Or is it that he loves Rhaenyra? And I keep kind of going back and forth. And I think, to be honest, it's a little bit of all of these things because it is a complex character. And we talked about these layers and we talked about um, the, the how gray um, some of the characters are. It's not just black and white. Um, but with that, I don't know how you do what he did to somebody that you love. And 
it's not just like the sexual nature of it of you know you know obviously this is a different world than the one we live in now the targaryens are known for being incestuous and marrying within the family and pure bloodlines and all these all these things but i found it to be very manipulative and and abusive what he's doing with her i mean he doesn't tell her where they're going. He has her hiding her identity and then they're going around and he's, you know, getting her drunk and exposing her to things that she probably shouldn't be exposed to. And it just seemed like all of it was about controlling her and controlling the situation. And it just seemed so, I don't know, disgusting for a lot of different reasons. And I, even the, the director of the episode something said something like, you know, he was with what he was trying to do. He was trying to shock Rhaenyra. And when he he exposed her to this and when he kissed her, once he saw that it wasn't shocking to her and it was actually exciting for her, that she was she was into it, then he couldn't handle the fact that he wasn't in control anymore. And then you see the kind of impotence. You see that he wasn't satisfied there. And and he he broke out. He left. Um, but it, yeah, the whole thing is just, I don't know. It, it's interesting and it's gross and uncomfortable but I like talking about it. <laughs> I think that's exactly what they wanted it to be. Like the showmakers like that. I think that's how we're all supposed to feel is like, we kind of liked their vibes before this, but then this whole thing like was really gross and just, I don't know, made me feel icky. Yeah. I will say, so, I mean, I think you, hit the nail on the head Noah like absolutely like there's all these things of like what should we feel and how are we like even processing our own feelings and even trying to understand uh Damon's feelings too but in my opinion I think he's a true narcissist and I don't know if narcissists can love anybody in that way I think maybe he does have feelings for her in his own way um but his power hungry and like his drive to get to the throne I think and him him thinking that he's the best fit for it and that he should be on the throne because he's better than everybody else he thinks he's smarter than everybody else even though a lot of his shit goes like you know fails like he um does all these things that maybe it's gonna work out maybe not but he thinks like he's the best person to do it so I I agree I'm, it's gonna be really interesting to see when we get the time jump which I think is coming in an episode or two so I'm gonna be really interested to see how that plays out mm-hmm what about you, self-proclaimed lore master? Yeah, like, I don't know. There's, a, Yeah, the answer could be somewhere in between, but it seems like we're just kind of dealing with, like, one of two extremes right now with Damon. Like, either he's able to play the long game, like, you know, he gave her the locket. Like, either he genuinely, like, cares about this person, and when she's watching the play and seeing that people aren't receptive, the idea of, like, a female ruler – is he coaching her for that role and being like, hey, this is something you're going to have to deal with? Like, is he, you know, what are his intentions? And if he is being manipulative, then he's been manipulative for a very long time because they've always had that relationship, you know, or did the second he found out she was named heir, oh, well, I'm kind of in good with her. Like, I don't think it just like flipped the switch. I think he's either been, you know, doing this from the start or genuinely does have feelings for her and isn't sure how to handle it. Maybe for all we know, maybe Damon hasn't liked her being like shopped around the other men and thought this was his way to like, best way to marry her is like, oh, if this happens, then they'll have no choice and we'll get married and that's done. Like, I think, you know, without reading the books and getting inside of a character's head, we're kind of just really guessing. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, that's again, what makes the show good is there, it could be any number of things and we just won't know until 
yeah. what people say behind closed doors, I guess. And I mean, that would also be in line with his character or part of who he is as Damon. Um, you know, after she's named heir um, or the successor to the throne, and he basically throws a tantrum and runs away with an egg and like, you know, all this stuff. So, I mean, that could also be him, like just not being able to process all of these different things happening at once and just showing his, his true immaturity and how he just really acts on impulse in a way, which seems to be a Targaryen trait as we. It's kind of funny. Um, in, in, uh, rings of power, we just watched when the captain is saying, what does he say? Like, I have one daughter who like, you know, you know, runs towards everything. The other one doesn't think anything through. And it's kind of seems like we're having the same dynamic with these two characters of one, like, doesn't think before they do anything and the other is just like constantly thinking things through it's weird to have that like dynamic at play um I will say Damon had the best line for me when he's like going through all this when we still think that maybe he might have changed I don't know but he says um you cannot live your life in fear or you will forsake the best parts of it um, so I think we were, are going to see a lot of tattoos that say that in high Valyrian, <laughs> namely on Noah, the Verla Valyrian, the high Valyrian king. Yeah, I got it on my lower back already. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, you, you were at a tattoo appointment yesterday, so how'd you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I thought there was a lot of good quotes in this episode, by the way, a lot. I mean, even when they're about to like get a little nasty, um Damon says to her a marriage is a duty but it, it doesn't oh so, I'm sorry <laughs> you're right coupling he says a, a marriage is a duty but it doesn't stop us from doing what we want like, okay and I also liked when Allison confronts Rhaenyra and was like did you really do this tell me what happened and Rhaenyra's like how could you think that I would do something like that and, and Allison's like you Targaryens do have queer customs <laughs> I was like yeah that's true they, they do they do uh, and then even oh. the um you know when uh Rainier is talking to her dad about it and he's like she's like I didn't do anything with Damon I did not have sex with Damon and and, and he's like the truth doesn't matter only perception and like hey that that is true in Westeros as it is in in the real world so oh yeah I think we all unfortunately have personal experience with things perceived a certain way where the truth is different that mm. is for sure no but we're yeah, talking this... about... I'm sorry go ahead Kelsey no no go ahead Noah uh, so while we're talking about sex, um, which is obviously un unavoidable in, in this episode and in the analysis of it, but obviously, um, you know, as I said, Rhaenyra had, you know, a kind of sexual awakening a little bit. She was excited about, you know, the prospects of what was going to happen with Damon. And then Damon cut that short. Uh, and then she went and did her thing with, uh, what's his name? Kristen? Kristen Cole. Okay. But Sir. like, when she's trying to, sir, oh, excuse me. I, I didn't mean to disrespect him. That's right, but Kate. Say when it. she's, she's trying to like get it in and she's like, starts to undo his like armor on his wrist. And then all of a sudden, like fast forward 20 minutes later, they're like undoing all the loops <laughs> in the boots. And I'm like, what a pain in the ass it must yeah. have been to just try to have sex back then. Like <laughs> it took 45 minutes to get the armor off. Like at that point you'd be like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm yeah. tired. I'm good. I'm fine. It's <laughs> like, like I a, came twice already. <laughs> what a pain in the ass. I was going to say it was kind of weird. Cause yeah, there's a point where you think they're like, Oh, if they're not fully undressed, they're very close to it. And then, yeah, then it shows no, their boots and not. like all this stuff. They're nowhere near. <laughs> and 
And it almost reminded me, you guys know the scene in the notebook, which is obviously a lot more like romantic in my opinion, but like when they have sex for the first time, so like, let's just get naked, they get naked. And then they're just like standing there looking at each other. I thought it was going to be something reminiscent of that, but you're right. That's them undressing literally is why this episode was like an hour, 15 minutes. (laughs) The sun was starting to rise. (laughs) Okay. I I do want to pose a question before we get to our next um, segment. Do you guys think, I think Sir Kristen has feelings for Rhaenyra that have been repressed, but, and I, in, in past episodes, I have thought maybe Rhaenyra had those as well, but she just wasn't to your point exploring it or thinking that she could. Um, but in this episode now, I, I don't think that she does. Like, obviously they exchange some knowing glances afterwards, but it doesn't seem like she does. She just really treats him just as her guard. I think that um, she is impulsive and does what she wants. You know, she's trying to get it in. She's going to get it in. But she also does her duty. And and we've seen that in every episode where she she's never fought that the fact that she needs, I mean, she doesn't want to get married and she makes it known, but she's going to do what she needs to do. She, um, when she's talking to Viserys early on and she's like, I understand why, you know, you are broken up about my mother dying. So am I, but I understand you have to do your duty. And like, that's just kind of the way she thinks. So I don't think she ever looks at it as a possibility to really end up with, or really be in a relationship or anything like that with, uh, Sir Kristen. And so, but she thinks he's attractive. So she's, she's trying to do what, you know, what her impulses are telling her to do, but, uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. I think she's, he's a play thing for her. And he took a, a vow to remain celibate uh, as a member of the King's Guard. And so he broke that too. So I'm wondering if this were to come out, what's going to end up happening to him? Yeah, I think it's going to be bad news bears for Sir Kristen. Um, I mean, we saw that we kind of referenced it earlier in the episode between, between Damon and his not so common whore anymore. Um, but she really outlined that in the second episode where she's like, yeah, you can do whatever you want. You can say all these things because you're the King's brother. No one's going to touch you. Like, I don't have those protections, especially because we're not actually getting married and especially because I don't, I don't have a child. Um, but when people think that I do, they're going to come after me, um, or it puts a bigger target on my back. So obviously for Sir Kristen, having that vow to stay not only chast, but to protect Rhaenyra, uh, and we see King Viserys's reaction when thinking that Damon did something and that's in within the family, which is probably not as bad as just, you know, some night, I guess you could say. So it's pretty, it's going to be pretty crazy. Uh, and that's a really good question. What would Viserys have taken, like, what would have angered him more between those two scenarios of thinking she was with her uncle or thinking she was with her knight? I think the knight. Yeah, well, no. I mean, I, I think, no, I think that the uncle would have angered him more, but the night he would have just killed his ass. Yeah. He would have had him killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, Pers- like personal anger and like her, I guess, yeah, Damon, which is exactly what he wanted. But with that being said, and Brad's insightful question, we have the uh, we have the luck of the seven gods, old and new, of having director Brad G. Faye as a part of our episode discussions each and every week. If you don't know, he is the director slash brainchild behind Geek, and you shall find the documentary, as well as some of our upcoming, or well, all of our upcoming docu-series, including one on Game of Thrones. So Brad, with that, can you please give us some director's notes with Brad G. Faye? Absolutely, Kelsey. Thank you for asking. Uh, Don't laugh, Noah. 
hate you guys. <laughs> this week, um, again, wanted to talk some symbols that jumped out of me. I almost last week, when uh, writing down a few notes, wanted to discuss uh, the episode last week ended with Damon obviously going into the cave, cutting the crab feeder in half and bringing them out. And, you know, it jumped at me like, caves in fiction always symbolize like rebirth like the character goes into the cave and when they come out of the cave they're a completely different person they've been born again it doesn't always have to be a literal cave it could be you know jonah and the whale jonah leaps into the belly of the whale comes out a different person so i was really kind of interested in seeing like which direction damon takes and oh is he gonna now be a leader and you know the episode starts and it kind of seems like okay, maybe he's taking a turn. Maybe his time down there did change him. Maybe he did take away, you know, something from that experience and the cave did work as a rebirth. And then we kind of learned quickly, like, nah, it really didn't seem to matter. But on the other hand, uh, with Renera, we, we do kind of see that fire also is a symbol of rebirth. And I thought it was really interesting when they're walking, you know, outside the, the walls of the Red Keep, you know, she's seeing fire. And I, I think, I don't forget if someone like blew a thing of fire. And so she's yeah, walking through. And we ca- yeah. And she's walking through all this fire, all this fire. And it seems she's the one who kind of took a step in a different direction of being like, I'm not going to be the person who, you know, no, no, point. She knows how to play the game. She knows how to kind of work angles and stuff. But to go from going back to the castle to just grabbing, you know, circles and like taking what she wants it seems like she's kind of the one that underwent a real transformation and maybe is a different person moving forward. So I think that'll kind of be interesting to watch. Yeah, I love that. And that's what Game of Thrones is all about, right? Like they do things that lead you in one direction and just completely turn it on the back of its head. Um, We talked about zigging and zagging last time. And I remember watching, uh, um, you know, watching a behind the scenes of it. And they were saying, yeah, usually when things like this happen, just naturally people want it, like they expect it to happen on the third thing right and it yeah. didn't so then everyone thought like oh okay he's good and then pff, that next arrow he got got they know how to take the like archetypes and motifs that we're used to and mm-hmm. like one of our interviews we did for the docuseries you know someone makes a really great point in saying like the difference like star wars and game of thrones have a lot of similarities but one of the key differences, George Lucas kind of takes those archetypes and embraces them and says, here's the rogue character who, you know, ends up having a heart of gold. But Game of Thrones takes that character and makes you think, oh, this is going to be the so-and-so character. And all of a sudden just flips it and gives it something. And you're like, whoa. So it's kind of cool how Game of Thrones like knows those, you know, those common motifs that we see. But every once in a while, just like turns up the dial on it. You know, that's what I think shocks us is because they lull us into thinking, okay, I know where this is going. I've seen this before and be like, oh, no, this is actually the opposite. Yeah. And especially too, like, I mean, not only is he acting different, um, supposedly, but that's probably a part of his, that might be a, a, a very direct choice or intentional choice of cutting his hair because it's showing, hey, like he's truly different or you're supposed to if anyone's maybe not familiar with game of thrones and they're just starting with house of the dragon you know just seeing it's like oh even he has a fresh new do so he's a different person <laughs> he got he got a whole makeover a personality and a hair makeover oh my god you guys when he wasn't like when renera goes out to see like and he's standing at the balcony or whatever with his with this thing on i was like this is either going to be an and one commercial or he's like the new eminem i don't like i was like i don't know which way to go he's gonna go and get engage in a uh freestyle rap battle 
Yeah, it's like it's like we're all of a sudden going to. Oh my gosh, I hope someone does an edit with that. You know, the old animal commercials are like all you hear is the like the dribbling ball and the squeak of the shoes against the court. Damon and his hoodie. Just Damon and his hoodie. Well, thank you so much for that, Brad. That was definitely very insightful and stuff to. If anyone is not familiar with the with the hero's journey by Joseph Campbell, it's it's really interesting once you see all of those archetypes and, and motifs that he was talking about because you see it in every story. Um, but moving on, uh, Noah, you mentioned a few predictions. There was a few callbacks that you had already, but where do you think we go from here now? There's definitely been a lot of shit that has went down that are going to have some lasting repercussions. Yeah, to be honest, um, I don't know. It, it's hard, because, and, and not that Game of Thrones in, in general is super difficult to predict. That's what made it so good is all the shocking moments. But this with the time jumps that Brad mentioned earlier, it really makes it even harder to predict, I think, mm-hmm. uh, because we don't know, you know, when we get to the next episode, I don't know, is it going to be 10 years from the previous one? Is it going to be a month? Is it going to be the next day? Um, so it's going to be really difficult to, to pick that out, I think. But things to to watch for, um, now that Otto Hightower has been d- uh, dismissed from being the hand who takes over that mantle, what does that do to Otto's relationship with Alicent? Does that, you know, embolden him to really start scheming even more on behalf of baby Aegon or I guess three-year-old Aegon? Um, is Damon really going to leave? <laughs> Do we think he's going to actually leave? Uh, well, um, I think there's going to be a, a royal wedding the next time between Laenor, uh, Valerion, and Rhaenyra. So does that really strengthen the bond between these two houses? Is there going to be complications with that? It's all It's all pretty interesting. And I thought it was funny too where um they they were up in arms everyone was up in arms the king was up in arms that Rhaenyra was hooking up with her uncle which of course is disgusting but you know that that is terrible it's off limits is her uncle but I'm like okay we're gonna marry her off to Laenor Valerion who is her cousin <laughs> so it's like eh, you know but yeah I don't really have too much more in, in terms of predictions I have some other some other notes though and um some things that I noticed from this episode that I thought were pretty interesting, but let's keep going with predictions if you guys have. For sure. Yeah. Before I get into mine, Kate, what kind of predictions do you have? Yeah. I mean, I don't have a ton just really based on what the scenes from next week were, which (laughs) looks like we're having a wedding, but there's some some sort of fighting going down there. So that should be interesting because the history with that is not great. So um, and no one has really died yet. Like no big character characters have died yet. So that's kind of interesting. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. And kind of like Noah said, um, I'm interested to see what happens with Otto because he's been a pretty integral character up until this point. So I don't see him just completely going away. Um, plus he's really got some, um, you know, with getting Aegon on the throne, uh, that's really important to him. So It'll be interesting. I don't know. I'm excited for the wedding. Agreed. And we all know how weddings go (laughs) in the Game of Thrones universe. Brad? Yeah, my one thing, kind of, you know, what Noah said about it'll be interesting to see whose name, you know, the hand of the king. I -hmm. did say, I forget if it was last episode or episode before, to keep an eye out on my boy Lionel Strong. You did. You know, like, it seems like he's really in the king's ear. They have a good relationship. But again, is that 
what we expect and seems to make the most sense. And they're going to pull a you know, rug out from underneath us and it's going to be someone like, oh, who the hell, where the hell did this guy come from? But I would think if we're going to see a new hand name next week, I can't think of who it would be other than Lionel Strong. True. Unless it's someone that's inconsequential and whatever. Oh, but yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I called my cousin up and uh, he, he came down. Someone went hunting again and then all of a sudden they're going up the ranks. Um, yeah, going back to what you're saying about a lot of things that could potentially be uh, very consequential. So for me, I think it's really going to be very important who for sure knows that Rhaenyra and her brother were in the the white or in the brothel together. And like, uncle. you know, they're, they're, mess, they're messing around. So obviously white worm for sure knows. Oh, sorry, uncle. Yeah, thank you. So for sure the white worm knows. And then the hand says that this is a very reliable source. Like they've never done me dirty before. Um, so he's going to really be on that. And then at the end, we are left with a cliffhanger of is Rhaenyra going to drink the plan B tea? Um, so the, the maester who we all know, they seem very unsuspecting, but they have a lot of stuff and they're very influential as well. So the maester knows maybe not for sure. Like, okay, so obviously Rhaenyra didn't, didn't get diddled by her uncle, but like she did have sex, but no one knows for sure that she had sex and with who. They think maybe they did some some stuff, but so if she drinks it, that's really going to say something. If she doesn't, and she does end up getting pregnant, do we know if two people of Valyrian blood? So obviously, um, Corlys and his um, kin—they all have white hair. Obviously, the Targaryens all have white hair because they're all from Valyria. Do we know if two of them come together, they absolutely are going to have kids with white hair? yeah i mean that's what it leads you to believe every, every targaryen has the white hair okay so if she doesn't drink the tea and it doesn't come out with white hair oh yeah i mean yeah. and we we they've established already the concept of um you know different genes being stronger than others if you will like in season one of game of thrones that was the the dying words that uh um that john aaron the uh was in the hand of the king he he kept saying the seed is strong the seed is strong he's basically saying like look at the babies the, the ones that have the dark hair are obviously the bastard children mm. yeah so that, go I think back that's to this plan bt real quick because it was funny like ep, like the episode kate goes like oh you know they had something like that at the time i'm like man for all we know that could be like porridge with honey in it and they're like oh yes this remedy will cure you of what ails you. I'm like, they didn't have, like, what do you think they really cooked up? There's a lot of natural remedies. I mean, obviously women for years have been plagued by unwanted pregnancies. And so obviously it's probably not as effective as some, some things that we have today. Um, but I mean, there's a lot of like herbs and combination of things or overdosing of certain things that, that, don't that have the potential to induce induce a, a miscarriage or or whatever i bet you the king went in there and was like hey i need some plan b stuff and the scientist guy was like oh yeah i got exactly that here and he was just like throwing things in a pot at random and steaming it and be like oh this is a, an old remedy that will cure what ails you i'm like you don't know what he's doing right now i mean the king is the king is definitely rotting away at an exponential rate. So yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't even know how to cure those, like you know, little holes on the king. Like you don't know what he's doing back there. Basically, the black plague. Um, but before we get into other um, things, so obviously a callback was them looking at the dagger in the fire and seeing the song um, 
and the the uh, reference to the prince that was promised that it's a little sore spot in my heart maybe a lot of other viewers and and listeners out there as well because while we have our suspicions that it is most likely Jon Snow we don't know for sure unfortunately so that was interesting to me and it just maybe yeah it, it it's interesting that that's one of my notes as well as the, the dagger and we know how important it is we talked about it in the prior episode because they've shown it a lot um at the waist of King Viserys and that's the same dagger that made its way to Tyrion Lannister and then to Littlefinger and then to Sansa and then finally to Arya who used that same dagger to kill the Night King but what they didn't know the characters in Game of Thrones is that they're actually it's almost like the one or the yeah the one ring in Lord of the Rings where they put it in the fire and then the elvish language comes out and it tells the story one ring to rule them all that's exactly what this is from my blood come the prince that was promised and his will be the song of ice and fire so it shows that a member of the Targaryens and then Jon Snow is a Targaryen. What we found out, did it matter? No, it did not, but he was. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and it's just interesting too, the history of it. We, we find out that the dagger belonged to Aenar first and then to Aegon the Conqueror. And then it made its way all the way through to Arya so that she actually was holding something that wasn't just Valyrian steel, which is super rare and super valuable, but it actually belonged to Aegon the Conqueror. So I don't think anybody knew it at that point. That was really interesting. Uh <laughs> That reminds me of how I innocently somehow sparked like a 150 text battle between Noah and Brad when I mentioned something not having any uh, any consequence at the end of Game of Thrones. So my bad about doing that before I had to run into something where I couldn't check my text. Um, but Noah, you mentioned earlier that you do have um, some other things that we maybe didn't get to this episode um, that you, that we can talk about. Yeah, definitely. So. I mentioned earlier, I forgot to say it before, but how Rhaenyra reminds me of Arya with a lot of the different aspects of her character. But when she's going through the city and she had the hood on or whatever, and then that drunkard, which is, I thought it was funny, the captions literally called this character drunkard. So the drunkard <laughs> called her boy, like get out of the way, boy. And that again was just like Arya. Um, so I reinforced that a little bit more as well. Um, in that opening scene when uh, Rhaenyra is at Storm's End and all they're all professing their love for her and wanting her to marry them. The first person that we see, the name was Beric Dondarrion, who is the ancestor of the character of the same name, who, if you remember, he was the one with the Brotherhood Without Banners that ran around with Thoros of Mir. He had the eye patch and he was the one that got brought back to life a lot of different times, six times, I think it was. They went north of the wall with, with um, the Hound and Jon Snow and all of them. So that's just interesting too, how we see his, uh, his ancestor there. And then I just saw on Twitter, somebody posted one of those memes that's like, you versus the guy she tells you not to worry about. And on the left is the, the heckler guy from that opening scene. And on the right, it's that little kid that ended up killing <laughs> <laughs> So I thought that was very funny as well. That's awesome. <laughs> and that's all I got. Love that little guy. Oh, I the only other thing, the only like, I don't know if it was callback, the only other note I had that I wanted to ask Noah about, I was going to mention the Renera being called boy, like definitely the Aria vibes, but also is where, where Renera sneaks out, isn't that passage, like don't we see Aria running through there? That's when in, in the very beginning of Game of Thrones, where she's running through and she passes the dragon head. I think that's how she learns to sneak out of King's Landing originally. So that is the same. It's like the... I don't think all the dungeons but yeah like that's where they have the the 
the head of Valerian the Dread. Yeah. Um, and they had the, the dragon skulls there too. So that's where Arya is kind of snooping around and she overhears the conversation between Varys and Illyrio Mopatis talking about, oh, the plan, it's happening too soon. And they're they're trying to marry off um, Daenerys to Khal Drogo. And she just overhears all this. She doesn't know what they're talking about. So I think that is the same area. And I also think it's the same area that comes crashing down and ultimately kills oh, Cersei right. and Jaime together in, at the end. Yeah. So, yes. Beautiful love ending for them. Yep. <laughs> okay, was there anything that we touch upon? No, nope, I'm good. I am. All right. Well, if that is it, if you guys can speak or forever hold your peace. And what I will say though, last Okay, thing I, I knew I, I saw no, no, no. it in your eyes. This, is, this is not even about the show itself, but this is about our show. And for those of you that are listening on Spotify or wherever else you listen to your podcast, I highly encourage you to watch us on YouTube because we do funny things and we look funny and, uh, and, and it adds a whole another funny element to this podcast. So we appreciate all you guys, um, those domestically that are, are hanging out with us and taking in this content with us and those internationally. And uh, I don't know who you, one of you guys want you to uh, talk about the different um, subscribers that we got in different countries all around the world. Yes, everyone has really been showing us so much support these last few weeks, um, especially recently. We have listeners in Italy, Trinidad and Tobago, Hungary, and even Singapore, among some other countries. So we're so thankful. And it's just, it's so funny because this is something that we just all love. Um, we all love to talk about. Obviously, we're friends, um, even though sometimes it doesn't seem like it on this. I promise we are. And we're mostly kidding with each other. Um, but yeah, we're so grateful to everyone listening to us. And it's so fun. So if you guys have anything that you would like to tell us or that you would like us to say on air, um, any comments? Or, or predictions that you might have or anything that you'd like us to cover, please make sure that you reach out to us, uh, whether it's on Superhero Faces uh, social media, which is at Superhero Faces on Twitter and Facebook, or at super under, Superhero underscore Faces on Instagram. We'd love to be able to read your messages and respond. And of course, like Noah mentioned, you might even be able to see Killer Calvin, which is his dog, or maybe my dog in the background of uh, any podcast at any given time. And the number one reason that you should watch on YouTube, which is also Superhero Faces, is because you never know what background Kate is going to have. And today she has an absolutely killer one. So if you're listening, make sure to check out our YouTube, like, subscribe, comment, share, and we will see you right here for Geek and You Shall Find, the podcast, next time when we, uh, when we cover The Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, episode four. We'll see you there. Bye, guys. Adios. Bye.